and welcome to the Association for Positive Behavior Support, APBS, podcast. APBS is a multidisciplinary organization made up of diverse professionals such as teachers, researchers, university professors, administrators, family members, and consumers who are committed to the application of positive behavior support. The mission of the Association for Positive Behavior Support is to enhance the quality of life of people across the lifespan. We hope to achieve this by promoting evidence-based and effective positive behavior support to realize socially valid and equitable outcomes for people, families, schools, agencies, and communities. Each of our upcoming episodes will feature speakers addressing the application and practice of positive behavior support in diverse areas. We have so much to share with you, and we are glad you are here with us. Stay tuned. In today's episode, we are going to hear from four doctors who are my co-hosts discuss anti-racism and what equity means to positive behavior support. This is Muna Khalif joining you from the University of Minnesota. Enjoy listening. My first question I'm going to ask uh, Nicole, Erica, and then Kurt. Can you please speak to uh, what does equity in PBIS mean to you? Thanks, Jessica. And just very briefly, I wanted to do a brief introduction so you all sort of know kind of the street that I'm coming from and representing. Um, I currently serve as a special assistant to the Secretary of Education for the Pennsylvania Department of Education. And so that is a two week (laughs) start. So I'm really new to that position, but in my previous life, I served as a Pennsylvania Training and Technical Assistance Network Consultant in supporting PBIS. And in an even former life as a school psychologist and internal coach in the Harrisburg School District around PBIS. So when I think about what does equity and PBIS mean to me, it has so many layers of meaning. Firstly, as I said, starting off at the the school level. What does it mean for implementation? It means that I'm listening to students. I'm listening to families. I'm getting a sense of what they need to be successful in a positive school climate and culture. And so if equity is present in our PBIS implementation, those voices have been valued and heard. At the consultant level or the statewide level, sort of what this means for me is that as we're looking across our Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in this case, where are we seeing that there might be disproportionality? And if we're seeing that disproportionality, whether it's students with disabilities, students of color, students of different gender identities, et cetera, what is that telling me about the sites that are implementing PBIS? And how can we be more intentional about embedding equitable practices into that? So the refrigerator magnet that we all know and love of system data practices and outcomes I wanna figure out where equity can live in each one of those. It should be at the center, but as we think about it being centered, what does it look like, sound like, and feel like in each one of those key components? So again, when I think about what does it mean, it's voice, it's acknowledgement systems, are they equitable? And it's also our disciplinary decisions. Are they influenced by bias? And how can we address those? Oh, excellent. Thank you, Dr. Nicole. I was looking furiously for a piece of paper to take notes. I appreciate 
that. Dr. Erica, would you respond to the same prompt, what does equity and PBIS mean to you? And also give us a little bit about uh, your role and what you do. Thank you so much, um, my dear friends. Uh, so a little bit about me. Um, I am currently a partner with Wildflower Schools opening up liberatory education. Um, I am also an equity steward for our foundation. I am previously um, the director of PBIS for the School District of Philadelphia. I see some folks in the chat, so good to see you all here. And um, after that, I was the executive director of professional development and training for that same district. Um, but I am a New Jersey girl through and through, and I know I see some New Jerseyans in the house. So equity in PBIS mean to me. And when I talk to a lot of folks, um, not only as a pr practitioner and a consultant, we have to start thinking about what is equity and everyone having what they need to be uh, successful. And I think in PBIS, we need to center learners, right? And so how are we creating environments with all stakeholders, community members, parents, right? In order to give students what they need and not come in and possibly use the framework in a harmful way. Because PBIS, I truly believe is a liberatory tool, right? Um, but if we really wanna talk about equity, if we really wanna talk about giving folks what they need to be successful, it is going to have to start with the adults and the people who are implementing the framework. How are we teaching the lesson? What am I bringing to learners that I don't know in order to bring down those barriers, right, that have inherently been a part of the educational sphere, right? And so when I talk to people and they're like, well, equity, equity, no. Am I giving students what they need to be successful? And that ultimately has to start with evaluating who you are and what have you done or brought into environments in order to limit that? Who have we traditionally uh, quieted? Our, our parents at the table, right? I can't give a student what they need if I don't know who they are, where they come from and what makes them thrive. And so we've got to get really good and clear about what equity is and also what is the framework and how we can adapt it and make it very clear that we are not asking learners and students to conform to environments, but we are using the framework to create an environment in which they can thrive. And so that's what I've come here to say. Um, let us liberate our learners and our students, and we can do that through an equitable lens, but first we've got to interrogate how we're showing up and using the framework on a daily basis. Oh, I love it, Dr. Erica. I'm gonna stop, try to stop dancing. I'm just having these moments, but yes, Dr. Nicole, what makes them thrive? I love that. How many of us ask that in our work? Oh my goodness, this is tremendous. Okay, Dr. Kurt, I, I could do this all day. I know we don't have all day, but I could do it all day. I'm so glad I get to have regular meetings with all of you. Um, Dr. Kurt, tell us about yourself and then please um, share what does equity in PBIS mean to you? Well, it's so nice to be here with all of you. First, Jessica, can you hear me okay? All right, good. It's so nice to be here with you, with colleagues and friends and, and people that I'm meeting for the first time. It's great to be on this panel with Dr. Nicole and Dr. Erica. Good to see you again. Um, I am currently a professor and director at the University of Washington in, on the Tacoma campus. I live in Olympia, Washington, and I'm native of, of Seattle, so I'm a Washingtonian. And formerly, um, I was an associate director at the Association of Washington School Principals, so supporting and mentoring principals, doing advocacy work and liaison work with legislators. And um, prior to that, um, I essentially fell in love with PBIS as a principal at a variety of different schools 
Um, and as I saw it be a systems change, which um, was really important to me because I was stuck in an endless kind of spiral of um, implementing things that continue to get the same results for students, particularly around um, behaviors that promote learning and behaviors that promote uh, a positive learning environment for the adults. And, um, and Dr. McDowell was talking about a using uh, PBAS or PBS being a liberatory tool. Um, and I agree. I also agree with everything Dr. Nicole was saying too. So I hope to add some things to this, but I think what I'll add is um, um, when we talk about equity, what I'm talking about in particular is not only giving every student what they need, but also liberating them from a system that historic, has historically um, um, undereducated or oppressed them um, because the system is currently functioning in ways that produce outcomes that are uh, really problematic. So it's a liberatory tool um, because the system as it uh, currently functions isn't working. Um, and so I'm talking about anti-racist practices because the outcomes are based on um, race and racism. Um, the current system is um, based on a white supremacist, um, neoliberal and um, settler colonial structures. And so to have something like that PBIS, like PBIS that helps push us out of that system um, is liberatory. Uh, and so that's, that's why I'm drawn to it and happy to serve on this panel today because I've seen it um, shift how we do school um, and shift ways, shift how we do school in very powerful ways um, that help us uh, create more equitable systems. And I think when I think also of equity with PBIS, I think of it as um, a tool that um, helps us, uh, and I, I've said this already, but it's really important for me to emphasize it, jump out of the current system because it shifts how we do school. And I just wanna let that kind of stay um, on our minds as we move through today, because um, you know, the Brookings Institute recently came out with a study that just confirms uh, what Dr. Nicole was talking about around our biases. So the study said that 70% of the teachers surveyed, and there were thousands of teachers surveyed, 70% uh, showed uh, an implicit um, bias, an implicit pro-white bias, an implicit anti-black bias. So I'll just say that again, 70% showed an implicit pro-white black bias, an anti-black bias, and 30% of the respondents showed uh, an explicit, or excuse me, an explicit pro-white bias and anti-black bias. Um, so the system is what it is, and uh, I'm thankful for PBIS for helping us liberate um, ourselves from that current existing system. Thank you, Dr. Kurt. We are lucky to have you in the Pacific Northwest influencing our educators. I'm not trying not to cry. Let's our next our next question for our panelists takes let's take a little bit, go a little bit deeper. So, and this time I'm going to start with Dr. Erica, then Dr. Nicole, and then Dr. Kurt. So um, what are the perceptions, and, and Kurt, you you started to allude to this, but what are the perceptions you hear in the field related specifically to equity and PBIS? And so Dr. Kurt actually named a couple of them. 
um, not really culturally responsive. Um, there's a I, there's something someone told me like I feel like it marginalizes the marginalized, right? Um, and but if we get good into the data, and I love Dr. Nicole bringing up practices data, right? If we really get good at it, we've got to interrogate the folks that are using the framework, right? And so the, when I hear those perceptions, are perceptions reality? Absolutely not, right? And so we've got to come with good hard data, good hard information to dismantle those perceptions, right? And to understand that a lot of folks and recognizing at the same time, these are perceptions, but people have had lived experience experiences with practitioners implementing PBIS. And so a lot of the work that I do is surrounding you work. How are we showing up? How are we looking at a lesson plan? How are we looking at rewards? How are we looking at the communities we serve in order to dismantle those perceptions? Because a lot of times when we're doing the work, our response to that question is saying like all of those things and saying, no, it's not. But there has to be an acknowledgement from us saying that maybe your lived experience based on where you were it may have happened, but working collaboratively with parents, with students, with administrators to dismantle those perceptions and to create a framework for a school, for a district, right? Because PBIS in its implementation, right, should be inherently culturally responsive, right? That's in the data. Everybody check out the field guide, right? And so we've got to get really good at looking at the data for your circle and saying like, wait, if we know this to be true, Right. And these perceptions are this is what people are saying and we're acknowledging them. What strategic measures are we taking to not only say one thing, but do another. Right. And maybe that is changing the way we teach thinking about who is teaching those lessons. I think it's very thoughtful. I have one district who teaches lessons with parents and community leaders. Right. Thinking about wait, if, if and parents and community leaders are traditionally reflective of the student's cultural and linguistic background. And so we've got to get good at these perceptions are here, people are feeling them, but how do we literally tackle that and not just say one thing and do another? And I think that takes a collaborative effort in where you're working and where you're dwelling in implementation of PBIS. I just keep doing the thumbs up. Uh, Dr. Nicole, what is your, what do you hear in the field? What are the perceptions related to equity and PBIS? Yeah, so Dr. Erica always knocks it out of the park. And so I'm so thankful to be her friend and colleague because we talk about a lot of this often. And some of the things that I can remember from the field and currently have heard from the field about equity and PBIS is that it, it focuses on normative expectations. And that when we're sitting down and creating those expectations, if you will, or those matrices, that we tend to focus in one way of thinking, kind of putting people in boxes or categories. And if they don't fit within that category, then they are up for uh, disciplinary consequences or they're not fitting into the framework that we have designed. That's not the actual framework. And I like how Dr. Erica talks about it's the implementers. And I don't wanna make this a, a thing about focusing on you, the implementer doing it wrong. It's being able to acknowledge where we can enhance the practices and make them better so that they are responsive to all. Because what we are finding in the field is there's disproportionality in PBIS sites. And so with that, that speaks to the implementation efforts. And we know it takes three to five, sometimes five to seven, sometimes seven to 10 years for systems change to really take hold. 
However, that shouldn't deter us from wanting to see a significant shift. And we should start to see some of those shifts happening if we're implementing with fidelity to begin with. If we're not just simply doing acknowledgements, which is another perception I hear in the field, that PBIS is just about rewards and prizes and that's all, when in reality it should be data-based and data-driven. And in those acknowledgement systems that we're doing, are they equitable? And I know my colleague Becky Millspaugh from Pennsylvania is on today, and she often challenged me when we talked about equity and said, Nicole, don't forget the acknowledgement systems, because so often we focus on the bias that's there around disciplinary decisions, and we don't think about who's getting the acknowledgements. And are we inadvertently marginalizing the students that actually need those acknowledgements to get more momentum in changing the behaviors that we're seeking out? So one of the other things that I would say is as we're thinking of PBIS, MTSS, that's a lever for equity. If it's done with meeting students at that right moment to give them what they need. And if we're doing that, then we'll be able to see some equitable practices take hold. But until then, until we're doing these things with strong fidelity and with that feedback from our families and communities, it's just gonna to continue to be a cycle that never stops. And so Dr. Hatch saying, we gotta change how we do school. You're absolutely right. This is where we can begin that process is evaluating the data on both the positive and the negative and determining our best step forward. Thank you, Dr. Nicole. Dr. Kurt Hatch, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, just to underscore, yeah, Dr. Sorry. Uh, to, sorry, to, to underscore the, the importance of elevating the student's voice and the community voice in the process of implementation. Um, and uh, Dr. Erica talked earlier about um, the implementation um, process. Um, it's very well spelled out for PBIS. I mean, it's an excellent resource. Um, however, um, speaking generally uh, across the profession, we're not that great at implementation science. Um, and that's just a thing, regardless of PBIS. Um, so if we slow down, um, which helps with bias, just personal bias, when we slow down, um, implement as designed, what I hear in the field related to equity, um, when uh, the process has been honored, that it enhances equity, it calms the school down, PBIS calms the school down, and the feedback that we get from students is that I feel seen here. Um, I feel heard. Um, I feel like I can show up as my authentic self. Those are some of the things anecdotally that I've heard in the field um, when it's been implemented as designed. And I like to say there's no such thing as PBIS light. Um, my grandma says, you know, either you is or you ain't. Either you is or you ain't doing it. So if you're not doing uh, implementing it as designed, we cannot call it PBIS. And it will likely then uh, reproduce the same uh, inequitable outcomes that we see because essentially we're just still replicating the system as it currently manifests. So uh, taking time with leadership teams um, at the district level and school level, all those things that we know. And as I looked at the chat room to see who's in this room today, um, I'm guessing people are nodding their heads when they're saying, yes, implement as designed. So what are the leadership moves that we do uh, that we can employ 
um, and the implementation science that we can use to make this implementation itself equitable. Um, one of the things that I hear in the field as well, just in general about um, PBIS, is that there are parts of it that, um, that might be biased or um, it comes from a white-centric frame. And so there might be some truth to uh, the fact that it, it might have been um, majority white people who um, put together PBIS and all its iterations in the research. Um, that's likely. However, that doesn't make PBIS in and of itself uh, racist or biased. Um, and so the comparison that I like to give is that if we're to use like the, one of those blood pressure measuring tools that almost everybody gets when they go into their doctor, um, that's a tool. And um, depending on the doctor's bedside manner or how they're interacting with me, I might find that experience to be a racist, biased experience. That's based on how it's been implemented or used. So the tool itself, I wouldn't find to be racist. It works if it's implemented as designed. Um, so there's times where I think I wish that PBIS would not be in all capital letters because we think of it as a thing or as a, um, a curriculum when it's j simply just research and it is positive behavior intervention supports that we're just trying to implement in schools with um, implementation science that works. And when that happens, um, the schools and the administrators that I've talked to and district folks say, we would never go back to the old system because our data is improving in terms of equity, the building feels better, and we're increasing opportunities to learn for all students. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast today. Know that APBS is here to support you and the equity work that we know you are doing for your local communities and environments. Also note that our annual conference is coming up April 13th to the 16th in the great city of San Diego. Also within APBS, we have an equity committee. Feel free to join us as a volunteer to continue this collaborative work. See you at the conference. This brings us to the end of today's episode. We appreciate you taking the time to learn more about the Association for Positive Behavior Support. Upcoming podcasts will feature diverse professionals, families, community members, continuing to discuss topics focused on enhancing the quality of life for people across the lifespan by promoting evidence-based positive behavior support. You can find details of upcoming podcasts, conferences, webinars, and much more at our website, apbs.org. You can also follow and contact us at our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We encourage all listeners to visit apbs.org to learn more about membership opportunities, and network with like-minded individuals. We are thankful to each of you listeners and guests, co-hosts, speakers.